so glad you're here today. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 24. And uh, before we jump into that text today, um, I'm thankful for that song, man, Because He Lives. Uh, that changes everything, doesn't it? Changed everything for me, my family, and um, let me see if you remember these dates. Well, first of all, those of you that have joined us, isn't that awesome that God sent, sent us these uh, so many? Let's, let's thank the Lord. And um, we saw another baptism this morning in the first service, and just so thankful for how the Lord is moving. Um, but uh, so welcome to our family. And, and if you're looking for a church home, Callie, we want you to, we want to walk with you uh, through life. But do you remember these dates? Um, let's see if you remember these dates. May 3rd, 1999. May 10th, 2010. And May 20th, 2013. Those, those strike a, you those come those dates coming to your memory banks? Um, let, me, let me brief you, like remind you of some Oklahoma history. Um, those were the three dates that the, the, the two F4 tornadoes went. Did somebody say that over there? Uh, the two F4 tornadoes went through more, and then the F5 tornado went through more Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, those are big dates in my life, you know, and, and, and actually in the life of Brad Ayler, who's on our staff, Chad Balthrop, who's on our staff, and me. Um, Brad Ayler had gone to First Baptist Moore just after the first tornado and was there for the second one on staff there. Chad and I grew up in Moore. Um, I was in the heart of Moore, Oklahoma. That's where I grew up. I was on the rougher side of the tracks. Chad was on the west side of town, went to West Moore, you know, whatever. And, uh, um, uh, but, you know, our families are, are there. We had a lot of friends there walked through that. And so I'll never forget that. <laughs> you know, you know we, were, we were glued to the weather those days. Um, and one, one of those uh, times I was in, uh, well, I guess two of those tornadoes, I was in Oklahoma City. Uh, on, the, on the north side, and one of those I was here. And we were on the phone with our families and getting down there, trying to get there, and, and we helped our parents, I uh, helped my parents that, through that time. And, and, um, and, and you know, it's interesting when those weathermen were on the, they, they were on the news going, hey, everybody, get underground. You know, get underground like now. Get underground, because these are big ones. Now, were they trying to scare everybody? Yeah, they were. They were like, this is dangerous. You need to be scared of this one. And that's why I was on my phone with my parents going, Mom, Dad, you got to get in your shelter. And, uh, you know, um, today we're in the last message in this series called Asking for a Friend. That's going to maybe hopefully come, that, that whole story of the tornado may come full circle here in a minute. But, but we're in the series called Asking for a Friend. And it's the last sermon in this whole series, and we've got all kinds of questions. And, and several of the questions that we got were centered around this topic we're going to tackle today. Questions like, um, are we living in the last days? Is Jesus really coming back? Is this judgment thing for real? So Matthew 24 and 25 speak to this. Now, before we jump into this passage today, I just want you to be ready because we're not only going to look at Matthew 24, we're going to be kind of jumping through the scriptures for a bit, okay? And so we're going to look at a couple different passages on this subject of, is Jesus really going to come back? Is the judgment of God a real thing? 
So stand with me and let's look at Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read together verses 3 through 8. So would you look at this with me? Matthew 24, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are are but the beginning of the birth pains. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, now really, at the heart of this series, the foundation of the series is is our questions that some of our friends have asked. But it's also a doctrinal series. We've really tried to allow the, the Bible and God's word and the teachings of Scripture to... Um, speak to our questions. And and here's the truth. The Bible speaks to our questions. I I believe the Bible speaks to every question you've got in your life. But but when it comes to the doctrinal beliefs that we hold as a church, we're we're a Southern Baptist church. So our Baptist faith and message uh, is a a doctrinal statement. It's a confessional statement that we have. And it speaks to this. And I want you to hear Article 10 of our Baptist faith and message about the last things. And it says this, Article 10 in our Baptist Faith and Message, I want you to see this. God, in his own time and in his own way, will bring the world to its appropriate end. According to his promise, Jesus Christ will return personally and visibly in glory to the earth. The dead will be raised and Christ will judge all men in righteousness. The unrighteous will be consigned to hell the place of everlasting punishment. The righteous in their resurrected and glorified bodies will receive their reward and will dwell forever in heaven with the Lord. Now, this is a doctrinal statement. It's worthy, worth picking it apart, but, but I'm not necessarily going to do that. But I want us to take a big, kind of a little bit of a survey of Scripture today of what the Bible says about the last days, about the judgment of God. Now, you know, first thing, if you're following our notes, point number one is this, every person has an eternal destiny. I want you to know that. Every person has an eternal destiny. There's a place that you will spend eternity. Every person will spend eternity one of two places. Matthew 24 and 25 it speaks to the circumstances around the coming of Christ. And, and, uh, and, and you know, Jesus said, and a lot of people, they misunderstand Jesus because they think, oh, Jesus talks about he loves everybody. Let's love your neighbors yourself. That's true. He says that. And he talks about turn the other cheek, all those things. He says those things. But do you realize that Jesus also warned us very clearly about judgment that is coming? And Jesus himself said this. And, and he talked about the, very clearly, the unsaved will go away into everlasting punishment called, called hell. The, the saved will enter into heaven, eternal life. I mean, hell is an eternal reality. Heaven is an eternal 
reality. Now, let's, let's understand it this way. I, and, and this is something that I think is very important for us to grab a hold of, that there's a countdown that's already begun in your life and in my life. There's a place, there's a time when each one of us will leave this world for the next one. And I realize I've studied behavioral science in my educational pursuits. And, and behavioral scientists very clearly break down the lifespan from birth to death. But it's interesting how very few behavioral, I don't know, I've never read a behavioral scientist that, that really dealt with the afterlife. What happens when you die? Let me tell you something. The Bible says that when you die, it's not over. The Bible's very clear on this. That, that there is not, a, there's a word, a big fancy word called, called annihilationism. That, that you're not just annihilated when you die. That you will spend eternity somewhere. And this is very important. And, and, and you know, um, I, you know, uh, this countdown is really at the forefront of my mind this weekend. I had a, this has been a big week. I preached on Tuesday at our, uh, Monday and Tuesday at our annual meeting as Oklahoma Baptist, and I'm thankful I got to do that. And, and, um, and Wednesday, I, I got home, and I had, a, I, had a, I had an emotional lunch on Wednesday. I, I, I had lunch with Rhett Rutledge. Rhett's dad, Josh, passed away Friday, last Friday. He was a Tulsa firefighter. I don't know if you saw it in the news. But um, Josh Rutledge, who died, his, he had two boys play baseball for the Ambassadors. Uh, if you know my story about the Ambassadors, I won't go into it right now. But, so I've walked with Rhett and Riley and Josh. And Josh was a godly man. Man, I loved, um, he was a godly guy, man. He loved the Lord. He was a house church pastor in Sand Springs. Uh, a captain of the fire department. And Friday, man, it was amazing to see all those firemen dressed up and fire trucks out there. And, they, they, and, you know, he was a faithful fireman. But let me tell you something about Josh Rutledge. He was a man that loved the Lord. And he walked with the Lord. And I was so proud of Rhett and Riley and their family because they shared the gospel at that funeral. And they very clearly said, Heidi got up and said, let me tell you something. My, Josh would want me to tell you that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. I mean, I was, it was, I was proud of him. But that's on my mind today. You know what happened Thursday? Jim Minks died. Jim Minks would have raised me. He's a fire, he, he, uh, for firefighters in Oklahoma, Jim Minks would have, he was my dad's lifelong best friend. And he was, uh, his job was a lobbyist for the fire to, fire department. And so Oklahoma firemen have pensions because of Jim Minks. And he would have raised me if something would have happened to my dad. He passed away and we were expecting it, but he died Thursday. And then on uh, uh, um, yesterday or Saturday, yesterday, I go to the funeral of a high school friend's father who gave me my first job. Gave my, I got my first real paycheck from Mr. Holmes. I went to his service and got to speak at it a little bit yesterday. And then, um, and then last night, my brother called me. My brother Mike, his father-in-law passed away. My, my sister-in-law's dad died. Oh my goodness, comes in. I thought it was threes. I'm in fours right now. But I'll be honest with you. This countdown is at the forefront of my mind. And I realize that sometimes I may talk about death too much. But then I sit back and go, no, I really don't. Because let me tell you something, I'm, 
I have, I've had to walk through sudden tragedy. And I'll tell you, I've decided I'm not going to mess around. And I'm going to turn my face to the truth and the reality of eternity. Now, Matthew 24, let's think about this. There will come a point in history when God brings everything we know to an appropriate end. The Bible's clear on this. At the, at the coming of Christ, at the end of time, you know what, Matthew 24, 40 and 42, look at that. It says, talks about it. It says, two men will be working in a field together. One will be taken, the other left. Two, two women will be going about their household tasks. One will be taken, the other left. The Bible points, Jesus pointed to the fact that there's a time history will end and judgment will take place. And so here's what we know. Point two is every person will stand before God at the judgment seat or the great white throne judgment. The Bible speaks of two judgments, two places that people will go. Those that are believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That will not be to determine whether or not we're saved or not. Because let me tell you, salvation was determined on the cross. And, and our faith in Christ, uh, it, it, he saves us. He saves us from the wrath of sin, the punishment of sin. And the Bible talks about this great, this, this uh, judgment seat that will be for believers. And we see this. Look at Romans 14. I want you to flip over there. Romans 14, verse 10 through 12. And I want you to see this. In Romans 14, it says this, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. I want you to notice right there, it says, each one will give an account of himself to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, but I want us to recognize that that. There's a time of judgment coming, even for believers. We will stand before the Lord. Now, what that meeting is not to determine is, the, is our salvation. But that meeting will, I believe, will determine, will, will be based on how we serve the Lord, how we honored the Lord, how we stewarded our lives. And you know, when I think about my role as a pastor, as, as a, when I look at shepherding followers of Christ, my, one of my major roles is to prepare us for that meeting. To prepare God's people for meeting the Lord, you know, and we're going to give an account. Now, now that's not something to be afraid of. It kind of reminds me when, when my kids were little and I, would, I, or, uh, and I would come home and they would go, Dad, look what I made for you. Little Benjamin right here. I love little Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin wants to come to big church and I love it that he comes to big church. You know what he does almost every week? He writes me a, he draws me a picture of my sermons helps him be quiet in church, which is good for all of us, but it also, it means a lot to me. And you know what he does every week, and it blesses my life, he's like, Pastor Chris, here, I got something for you. That's a little bit of what I think that meeting with the Lord is going to be like for all of us. Lord, look how we served you. Look, look, look how we honored you. Lord, you saved us, and we're grateful that you saved us, and I'm, I'm so thankful, and out of that salvation, here's how we served you. That's what I think that judgment seat of Christ will be. You know, I think there's some questions. I'm going to give you a bunch. So write some of these questions down because I, I think there's some questions that might help us prepare for that. 
First question is this, how pure was your life? I think that's something that helps me to think about that judgment seat of Christ, of, of, of like, look at Romans 14. It says we're going to give an account of our life to God. How pure was my life? You know, when I think about the purity of my life, that leads me to some other questions like this. What do I think about the most? What do you think about the most? That's a good way to evaluate the mentality of your mind and your heart, your, your walk with the Lord. If you know Christ as your Savior, what do you think about the most? What do I want the most? Like, what is it that you really want? That's a good picture, an indicator of, of your mentality and your walk with the Lord. How do you use your money? That's a really good question to ask because I think the way we use our money reveals the intent of our heart. So I, wanna, I think this is a good way to prepare for that meeting with the Lord to ask ourselves, how do I use my money? What, what, are, what do I do with my free time? What do you do when you're just free time? That's a really good indicator of, of, of your growth and a, and a really good snapshot of how you're walking with the Lord. What, what do you do with your free time? What, what, here's another question. What, what kind of people are my best friends? I'm not saying we don't have friends that don't know the Lord. But when it comes to those that influence you, those that shape your life, those that, that, that influence the way you think and the way you live, I think that's a good picture of what your influences are, what, what your walk with the Lord will be like. Here's another question. Who do I admire? Who is it that you look at and go, you know, I admire that person and why? That's an indicator. Here's another one. This is a convicting question. What do I laugh at? You know, sometimes I think, it's, I think it's good for us to sit down and evaluate, Lord, how pure is my life? Because let, let's recognize that we're going to stand before the Lord someday, guys. All of us as believers. That's, now, though, let me, let me, recognize, let me help clarify, when, when a believer stands before the Lord, it's not to earn your way to heaven. I'm not pure to earn my way to heaven. Heaven is a gift. Uh, salvation is a gift that you receive. You know, this week on, on Thursday, I, I met with a couple that were in my office and we spent a couple hours together just talking about life and, and, and they came to Christ. They put their faith in Christ and, and they'd been wrestling with that and processing that for a long time and, and they'd been on a, on a wrong path for 30 years. They were sincere and they put their faith in Christ. Thursday night, and right then their sins were washed away. And, and we talked about, look, it's not about being religious. I don't work for my salvation. I work from my salvation. Because I'm saved, I wanna honor the Lord with the way I live my life. So I don't want you to hear me say, you gotta be more moral in your life to earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. You come to Jesus, and he did that all for us. But once you come to Christ, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit is in you and he moves you to walk with him. How pure is your life? Here's, a third, here's another category, if you will. How, how much can God count on you? It blows my mind that God invites us to serve him, that God invites us to follow him. I think it's a worthy question to evaluate, Lord, you can count on me to do what's right. I mean, I'm thinking about as a pastor. 
If I don't ever talk about what Jesus said about judgment, if that never comes out of my mouth as a pastor, I, I don't think I'm a faithful pastor, right? If you never hear your pastor talk about the, 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 the truths of judgment, you might have the wrong pastor, right? How much could God count on you with the gifts you have? the abilities you have, the opportunities he puts in front of you. How much can God count on you with all that he's given to you? You know, I, 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 there's enough parables in the scripture. If you really follow the parables of Jesus, there are some, quite a few parables that point to the fact that, hey, when God's gonna ask us about our lives, he is, he's gonna ask us. And we can't fool him. How much can God count on you? Third question, third category, how strong did I stand for the Lord? You know, you know what, are we, are we willing to stand even if we have to stand alone? You know what happened the other day? I was, at, I, I was invited to this pastor meeting at that golf suites thing in Jinx, you know, where you hit the golf balls in the net and stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm walking out and... Um, there were like five guys out at the entrance and they had been drinking. And, uh, and I walked out and they were just having this loud conversation. And I didn't, I didn't know the full context because I was just walking in my truck and, and I heard a guy say, I don't believe in Jesus. And then he looks up into the sky, he gives the bird to both, both hands up in the sky. He says, bring your judgment on me, Jesus. And he started just cursing God. And I thought to myself, what do I do right now? Do I go up to him and do I say something? And then I thought to myself, last time I did that with a drunk guy, I got in a fight and that'd probably make the news. That may not be a good idea. And so I thought, and this other guy standing next to him goes, you ought not say, you better not say that. That's dangerous. But you know, as I, as I, as I, Watch that moment unfold. You know what I thought about? God said, I was offended. But then God said, Chris, you're the, you're the same way. Your heart was, you may not have said those words and done those actions, but can I tell you the condition of your heart was the same and I saved you. And you know what? I love you even though you're a sinner. And the Lord looked at, like just spoke to my heart and I love him too. I love him. And I died for him. You know, we're going to be required to stand. How strong are you standing? I don't think I messed up by not talking to that guy in that moment because of the circumstances. But I'll tell you, it just dawned on me would I be willing to stand for the Lord no matter what? There's a judgment seat coming for believers. And I don't want us to overlook it. But you know there's another judgment. And it's, I want you to look at it, and I gotta hustle, but look at, look at Revelation chapter 20. I want you to flip over there. Revelation chapter 20. Because... Uh, 
the judgment seat is for believers, but there's a second judgment. And Revelation 20 talks about it. Then I saw, verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Third point I wanted us to see that is very clear in Scripture. Every person without Christ will face judgment. Now, there's a judgment seat that is different, but then there's the great white throne judgment. And the Bible describes this in Revelation 20, this fearful and awful scene. And, and, it's, and it says it's a great white throne. And, and it's great not only because, um, because God's there. It's great because there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of people there. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7? He says, enter by the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the way and, and broad is the way that leads to destruction and and many find it. Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The Bible's very clear. Jesus said that, that a majority of people will face the great white throne judgment. And it's great because the crowd that is there, it's great because of who's in the crowd. You know, it says, verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. What does that mean? I, I think it could mean that, that, that in that crowd, there'll be some big names in that crowd. People we go, I know him. And oh man, that's a famous guy. And that's a, that's a famous politician. And, and that's so-and-so. Boy, we all know him, her. The great will be there. The small will be there. Those people we don't know. They grew up in Nowheresville and they just didn't come to Christ. There'll be those there that were really religious and really devout. But like, like Jesus said in Matthew 24, they, they followed those that were not right, that not following what God said. They were deceived and, and they, they'll be very devout and they'll be at this great white throne judgment. There'll be those who simply delayed their coming to Christ. I, I just, I'll wait, I'll do that later. I mean, it's like the guy years ago, I was at Council Road and, and this uh, old guy was, older guy was walking down the street and we had a really interesting conversation and about 20 minutes long and, and I got to share the gospel with him and he knew our church and knew about us and, and, I, and I said, hey, uh, you know, look, I, I would, are you ready to come to Christ today? He goes, oh, Chris, I'll, I'll do that later. And it was like my dad always had this phrase of, man, uh, some people are old enough to have one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel, all right? And I, I kind of thought that he was that guy. He's like, I'll do that later. Do you know who at this great white throne judgment, there will be people there that'll say, I'll do that later. And you know, on that day, here's the thing. The question won't be, what will you do with Jesus? The question is going to be, what will Jesus do with you? And, and I think it's very important to understand that Jesus talked about this a lot. This is an Old Testament law. This is a New Testament word from Christ. Christ. Now, you look on Revelation 20, it's interesting. It says, I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne. And look, notice this, and books were opened. 
There's more than one book. I think the Bible points to this. When it comes to the lost, a lot of people think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm okay. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than this person. But let's recognize books were open. I think one of those books is the book of deeds. Ezekiel 12, 14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. And I think the Bible points to the, the fact that every, every deed is recorded. God sees everything. And, 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 and even Jesus said in John chapter 12, 47 and 48, he says this, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This is Jesus in the flesh. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So Jesus points to the last day. There's a last day that's coming, and, 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 it's, and we're in the day of grace right now. There'll be a day when the day of grace ends. And the Bible's very clear on this. There's the book of works that will be uh, seen. And on that day, the standard won't be how you compared to one another. You know what the standard will be? How you compared to Jesus, how you, how you compared to holiness. And without Christ, there's trouble. There, there's a book of life there. It says right there, um, uh, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. You know, in the book of life, there's no deeds in the book. It's only names. And if, pers if a person's name is not in the book of life, they're, they're destined for hell. The Bible's clear. In Revelation 20, 14, then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. And I know there's a lot of people in the world today that go, yeah, you're one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Come on, haven't you updated? We don't talk about hell anymore. Here's the problem with that. Um, uh, God didn't ask me what I think about this. God revealed it. My opinions might change, but it doesn't change the eternal facts that Jesus spoke about a judgment. And when it comes to our friends, a lot of people ask the question, man, is that really a thing? Folks, that's a thing. And it's coming. And I don't have time to really unpack all this, but you might write down Revelation 14. In Revelation 14, it talks about this lake of fire. And, and it describes the lake of fire as an unending death. You can go look at this in Revelation 14. The lake of fire is a place of God's wrath. That, that, that God's wrath came on sin. And that's what happens is, is the wrath of God will come on sin. That the lake of fire is a place of torment. And there's a, there's a theological term, I, I don't think I've said it in this service, but it's annihilationism. And, and you're not annihilated. You will spend eternity somewhere. You know, when those meteorologists were saying a tornado's coming, I think they were intentionally wanting to alarm us. To say, look, don't mess around with this. And you might say, well, Chris, are you just, 
Are you trying to, should we scare all of our friends? Are you trying to scare us? Yeah, I am. You know what I've prayed today? Is that if you're here without Jesus, that you don't walk out of this room knowing Christ is your Savior. Don't walk out of this room without knowing Christ. For those of us that know Christ is our Savior, that it puts in us an urgency, a passion to serve the Lord, a passion to honor the Lord, a passion to stand for the Lord. Because as a follower of Christ, when I read my Bible, I can't get away from urgency. Can't get away from it. As I live my life, I cannot get away from urgency. And so that's my prayer today. My, you know, can I, can I challenge you with something today? Thanksgiving is this week. And we're going to gather with our family and closest friends. Can I just throw out an option for you or a challenge to you? Maybe when you're around your table and before you bust out your turkey or your Mexican food, whatever you decide to eat for Thanksgiving, that you just go, hey, hey, before we eat, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Jesus. And maybe among your family, I mean, I'm not saying you get up on your chair or your table and start preaching and repent, come out, you know, or anything like that. If God tells you to do that, you probably ought to do it. But be a witness to your family. Let's do that this week. Be a witness to your family. Folks, the Bible's very clear that a judgment is coming to the world. And so many people don't believe it. But it's true. You know, um, I read a book several years ago. It's a really interesting book. It's called How You Decide, How We Decide. I think it's the title. And it's a book about the brain. It's just a, it's a scientific book. Um, and uh, it just, or a medical kind of processing of how we think. There's a whole chapter on choking. How, why, why do people choke in sports? And it's a really interesting book. There's a chapter on instincts, basically. I think it's titled something else, but it's, basically talks about our instincts. How do we figure out instincts? And, and there's, a, there's a story at the beginning of that chapter, and, I, and I, it was just really interesting. It was, a, um, uh, what was this guy's name? He's got a cool name. Uh, I wrote it down because I couldn't remember his name. Wag Dodge. That's a cool name, right? Maybe his parents didn't like him, but um, Wag was his name. Uh, maybe it was his nickname. I don't know. But he was a he was a fire jumper, meaning he was a fireman that, that would parachute in and they would jump these fires that would be in the, in the forest and stuff. And, and they were fighting this fire called the, the Man Gulch Fire in the Rocky Mountains. And they had, there were 16 of them that, that jumped in and, and they were fighting this fire and and, and Wag Dodge was the leader of the group. And, and as he's fighting this fire, it, it just got out of control and it was crazy. And, and they were about 200 yards away from the fire and it was heading their way. He said it sounded like a truck coming. And, um, and they started running. And, and Wag knew we are not going to outrun this. You cannot outrun one of those fires as it, as it takes off in a in the wild like that. And so they take off running and he yells at all his men, stop, stop. 
stop. And uh, they were like, you're nuts. We're, this is coming like a truck. And, uh, and, and none of them stopped. But Wag stopped. And he was like, what do I do? What do I do? And he lit a fire. He got his matches out and, or whatever thing out. And he lit a fire and, and he made a circle around him. It was in 1949 that this happened. There was a circle around him and he got his handkerchief and he got it wet and then he hit the ground and he, and he just covered up and this fire just whoo, went right by him. 13 of his men were killed. Two others survived because they dove into a, a, a rocky crag and they got a, a underneath and, and the fire went over them. But 13 of his men died. And they were interviewing him afterwards going, how did you know to do that? He goes, I don't know. My instincts kicked in. And, and to this day, when, a for, when they're fighting a forest fire, if the fire gets out of control, they do that. Because what happens is the fire doesn't consume what's in that circle and it goes around it. And he survived. You know, as I was thinking about that, that's a great picture of the cross. Because we get uncomfortable with judgment. What is the judgment? It's the wrath of God coming on sin. And do you know what Jesus did? God in the flesh entered human history. He lived a perfect life and he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, God in the flesh took on all the wrath of God on himself. And holiness became sin for the first time ever. And Jesus, the Son of God, took the wrath of God on himself. He died on a cross. And he rose from the dead. And his Holy Spirit is at work, moving even now, saying, if you will come to Jesus, if you will get into that circle where the wrath of God, you're protected from the wrath of God, because Jesus took it for you. And I want you to know, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, if you will come to Jesus, the wrath of God will not destroy you. But I gotta be honest with you, if you don't, if you say, Lord, I, I'm going go my own way. That's isn't real. The great white throne judgment will be the moment where the wrath of God comes on every sinner that rejects the Savior. So come to Jesus. Don't walk out of this room today. Don't, if you're online today, Kelly is online. Let's meet together. Let's talk about this. Don't let this day end without you coming to Christ. Look, um, I realize it's not popular today to preach about hell. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't change the facts. The judgment is coming. And so let's be in this place. And I praise the Lord that 70, 
three people were baptized, came to faith in Christ. That this week, that I led two people to Christ in our, that have been coming to our church, that we're watching online. That's why we're going to do online stuff. And then went from online to my office. Came to Christ. Folks, let's be urgent. Today's the day of salvation. Joe, we're going to have an invitation. We've got to... Here's what we're going to do today. How's God spoken to you? Do you know Christ? Do you know him as your Savior? If there's some doubts in your heart, let's settle that today. Do you know Christ as your Savior and you're just not honoring him with, with your life? Let me tell you something, life's too short to overlook that. Let's go. Let's get with it. Let's follow Jesus. Craig and Tammy, I want you to come and stand right here if you would. Charlie and Beverly, would you do me a favor? I want you all to stand back there. Um, Dustin and Anna, come on. I want you all to come down. I want you to go. I want you to go in the back right there. Yeah, right there, yeah. Okay. Go stand in the back. I'm putting people all over the room. Because I know it's intimidating to walk all the way down front. Maybe you need somebody to just pray for you. There's four couples that would pray for you. Maybe you need to pray for your family. Maybe you need to pray for um, boldness. Maybe you just need to get right with the Lord as a follower of Christ. Maybe you need to come to Jesus. Today, I want to try to eliminate as many reasons why not to come. Maybe you should go to the back. God spoken to you today? Would you listen to him? Would you follow him? Lord Jesus, I love you. And I pray that you would move among us. I pray that your spirit would guide us. Father, if there's anybody in this room or anybody watching online, I pray that your, your grace of the cross would, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, Father. Lord, I ask that you would move among us today. For Thanksgiving, I pray that we would all be a strong witness in our families. May we be gentle, faithful, and clear. Lord, we love you. We need you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.